Bridge Youth. What is up, guys? Hey, welcome to our online experience. Uh, if you got a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Let me just say really quick, we are going to be all over the place in the Biblioteca tonight, uh, which a Biblioteca is, of course, the Spanish word for Bible. Uh, we're going to be all over the place in the Bible tonight. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you guys hear that echo online, but I hear an echo on my voice here. I mean, it sounds beautiful. It's got a little T-Pain vibe to it, but anyhow. um, So uh, Romans chapter 12, I just want to say welcome. Hey, any and everybody who uh, maybe you're visiting us, maybe this is your first time uh, kind of at a church experience uh, with us. Maybe this is your first time uh, here um, at Bridge Youth um, joining us online right here. This is peculiar. Uh, It's a little bit different. Uh, Can't wait to be back here live with you guys in front of this stage, getting hype, getting crazy. Um, But for now, um, this is church for us, and we just want to say welcome. Uh, we have a studio audience of four people who are going to help me here. You can shout it out uh, right there at your house. Open a window and scream it to your neighbors. They'll have no idea what you're doing, and they'll think you're crazy, but that's all right. Uh, to everyone visiting us, we want to say welcome. We like to welcome you guys by saying we are here to build you up, not... We're here to build, I don't know if you heard the studio audience, but they said, we are here to build you up, not beat you up. You don't have to believe to belong here. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So tonight we're continuing in our series entitled Counter Culture. Counter Culture. Here's the definition. It's a way of life and a set of attitudes opposed to or at variance with the prevailing norm. It means that we will be different. As the counterculture, when the world hates, we love. When the world rejects, we accept. When the world gets revenge, when they take revenge, we give forgiveness. When the world chooses pride, we choose humility. When the world dishonors, we honor. When the world retreats, we fight. When the world bows, we stand. And when the world stands, we bow because we are the counter culture. I feel like we should print that on some shirts or something. We are the counter culture would be some dope merch. All right, merch team, which is basically Kenneth, Ivan, and Isaiah uh, unofficially put something together. We'll see what we can do. We're the counterculture. Here's the whole series in a sentence. Um, if you remember nothing from this now five weeks, we'll probably do a couple more weeks uh, in this series. Remember this, don't embrace culture, don't push away culture, but engage culture. We get all of this from Romans chapter 12, verse number two. Here it is in the message revision. Eugene Peterson put it so well when he said this, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for him. Don't become, listen to this part, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. That is good all by itself. Let's pray. God, you're good. I pray that tonight, 
um, no matter where we're at, no matter what life looks like, no matter where we're even watching from, that tonight that you would speak to us. God, would you challenge us, motivate us, encourage us, convict us, propel us forward in our faith journeys. And tonight, God, I just want to say thank you. I just want to give praise to your holy name for the amazing draft picks that your team, the o Oh, I almost said Oakland. Las Vegas Raiders picked up the number one receiver in all of the draft, came to our team, and we praise you for that. Get us ready for the Super Bowl next year and bring sports back to us as soon as possible, God, please. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Why don't you put your team in uh, your favorite sports team, put it in the comments right now. We'll see if it makes its way into the prayer ever. If you say Chargers or the Patriots or now the Bucks, um, we will have issues. Question, um, have you ever been in a fight? Like a physical fight? Let me reframe the question. Do you have siblings? <laughs> if you have siblings, you've been in a fight for sure. I remember when I was a kid, uh, me and my older brother, Josh, we were completely obsessed with Power Rangers. And one Christmas, our aunt got us these um, Power Rangers sword. The, there was an epic moment in TV history where the Green Ranger became the White Ranger. And the Green Ranger had a dagger that doubled as a flute for whatever reason. Um, but then the White Ranger had a sword and the sword's name, if you know it, put it in the comments. I'll wait five seconds. What was the sword's name? If you know this, you are a genuine, pure, 100% nerd. Let's go, baby. The sword's name was Saba. The sword's name was Saba. And it was the dopest thing ever. It was like a samurai sword from space. It was so sick. The handle had like a white tiger face that sometimes shot lasers out of its eyes. What could be cooler? So uh, my aunt, she got me and my older brother, Josh, the same exact sword. Now, for anybody else who maybe you, you're an only child or maybe you are the oldest of, of your siblings, you see no issue with this. Anybody who has an older brother or sister automatically knows the issue. My older brother or sister, they're gonna, they're gonna either lose or break their sword and take mine. I knew this was gonna happen, but your boy was ready. I had a plan. I took a permanent marker and in a place where only I could find it, I put a C right in a place where only I could find it in permanent markers. So the day that my brother lost or broke his sword, I would know if he tried to take mine. Guess what happens? One day after a particularly epic episode of Power Rangers, uh, we, we run to the toy box, go to grab our swords. I can't find mine. And I see my brother already playing with what he thought was his. I run over to him and I say, hey, I'm pretty sure that's my sword. He's like, no, it's not. You lost yours. You're trying to take mine. I'm already freaking out, okay? I'm in a full-blown panic. I just watched the craziest episode of Power Rangers, and I'm trying to have some fun. I grab the sword. I find the C underneath the handle where I put it. I said, see, that's mine. And I'm freaking out. Younger siblings know, like, there's a moment where you, you snap. Like, you're no longer acting human. I was at that point. Like, I, it is just like absolute nonsense. My brother, he kind of starts freaking out and he runs. Um, at the time, my brother, myself, my mom, we were living in, in an apartment and my brother runs and goes and hides behind my mom in the kitchen. I just got to give you a little geographical layout. Um, it was uh, our room 
kind of dining room over here and then the kitchen. So my brother's over here in the opening of the kitchen, hiding behind my mom across from the dining room. I'm at the entrance of, of the bedroom and I'm so mad. I'm breathing super hard. <sighs> Give me my, and my mom's like, Corey, calm down. What's going on? Josh, take my stop a sword. And that one's mine, a permanent marker. I'm freaking out. And then from behind my mom, my brother peeks his head out and goes, he sticks his tongue out. This is like the kindergarten version of, you know, pointing at somebody with a finger that you're not supposed to, okay? It made me go Super Saiyan zero to 100, over 9,000, freak out right away. I looked around because I knew I have to throw something at him right now. Closest thing I could find, Hot Wheels car. Hot Wheels cars, they're super plastic now. Back in the day, they were made of like adamantium steel. I grabbed one, I threw it. Remember where I'm at? I'm at the entrance. I'm at the entrance of the bedroom. It travels out of the entrance, through the dining room, in the kitchen, past my mom, nails my brother in the face and knocks out his tooth. Yeah, I got my sword back that day. What's the point? There is no point. Don't take my stuff. That's the point. All right, moving on to the message. No, here's the point. Having siblings is like being in all-out war all the time. Tonight, I want to talk about how you're, you're in a war whether you realize it or not. And today, we live in a culture that so often lives in, settles for, and gives into defeat. There is almost this contagious victim's mentality amongst our culture that just lives in this state of defeat. And I believe that as believers, as Christians, as Christ followers, we should never give in to an attitude of defeat. We are victorious. In fact, we don't even fight for victory. We fight from victory. Christ on the cross purchased us every victory that we would ever, ever need, ever want, ever uh, uh, look for in life. And so we don't ever have to, have to strive for victory. We're striving from victory. It's already ours. We are more than conquerors with Christ Jesus. Somebody type amen or something. Maybe I should start keeping right in front of me the, the, the comments so I can just see you guys talking back to me. That's one of the things I miss the most. I miss you guys shouting amen. That's good. Let's go. Preach it, white boy. All of it. I miss it. I miss preaching in front of you guys soon enough. Soon enough. Here's the message title for tonight. Write this down if you're taking notes. Victory versus defeat culture. That's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about victory versus defeat. Our culture wants you to live in defeat. The enemy wants you to live in defeat. The world wants you to live in defeat. But God has already given you victory. We need to live in victory. Here's your sermon in a sentence, you note takers who I love so much. If you're a note taker. In fact, tonight, um, if, if you post about the online experience, include a picture of your notes. I'd love to see your guys' journals or your phone or whatever it is that you take notes on. Love to see that. Here's your sermon in a sentence. Faith isn't a playground, it's a battleground. Faith isn't a playground, it is a battleground. See, you can be a victim or a victor, but you can't be both at the same time. Here's the difference between victims and, and, and victors. Victims live in fear. Victims hide. Victims get stuck. They get stuck in one place. They never move forward. Victims just let their enemies continue to taunt them. Victims can't say no. Victims don't think they're strong enough. But victors, they show up to fight. 
Victors say, not today. Victors know that they have to push past opposition. Victors know that there's a reward waiting for them on the other side. Tonight we're talking about vict- victor versus victory versus defeat culture. Let me just say from the get-go of this, um, over the past two weeks, Pastor Gary has preached two messages on Sundays that's really along the same lines as these topics. So um, I encourage you, hop on the website, uh, go to the Bridge Church YouTube channel, go check out those two messages because he really digs deep into some of these topics. And it, they were two fantastic, fantastic messages. Go check them out. Um, Ephesians chapter 12, um, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter six, verse number 12 It says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So we're fighting. We're just not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. 1 Timothy uh, 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith, because you're in a fight, you're in a war, whether you realize it or not. Um, as I was like digging into this message and preparing, I quickly realized there was no way that I was going to tackle this topic in this fifth week of the series in one message. So it's going to be one message, but we're going to, we're going to tackle this message in two weeks, one message, two weeks. And I, in this uh, two week um, segment of this message, I want to tackle really what I think are the five main battles that we face in life. It's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational. If you didn't catch all of those, don't worry. We're going to go one by one through them, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational. I think that we really see all of these um, represented as well. Side note, we're not really digging into this scripture, but I think we see these represented um, as Jesus was tempted in the Garden of Gethsemane in that kind of battle that he endured there. Um, But here's the thing. You're in a war whether you realize it or not. Let me just say at the get-go of this before we dive into the three that we're going to tackle tonight. um, Let me say this. uh, Nothing I'm going to say tonight or next week is designed to in any way work as a substitution to medical, mental assistance, such as um, a doctor or therapy or even medication or counseling. Um, None of what I'm going to say is in any way to combat any of those things, but yet more so to complement. If I had to give an example, if you have a headache, pray and take an ibuprofen, okay? That's what I'm saying. So don't, don't take these as substitution to, but in addition to God equips doctors, God equips scientists, God equips um, therapists and counselors and all that and uses them in their giftings as well. So I um, just wanna say that at the forefront of tonight. So um, three battles I want to tackle tonight. Number one, physical battles. Physical battles. We'll never be at our best when we treat ourselves the worst. You know, with prescriptions in in, um, the medical world, in prescriptions, they say that one third, that's 33 or so percent, about one third of all prescriptions that that people receive from their doctors. They go to the doctor, they have an appointment, their doctor says, okay, you have this um, diagnosis and, and here is a prescription to help you with the issues you came in. One third of those prescriptions will never be filled. 
They'll never be filled. Now, now get this. Of the remaining 67%, half of them will either not follow the instructions correctly. Like they'll say, hey, take these, for example, maybe antibiotics all the way through um, to completion and they won't take them to completion. They'll start feeling better and they'll stop taking them or they will fill the prescription. Half of the two thirds remaining who do fill the prescription, they'll either not follow the instructions or they'll fill it and never take the prescription. Here's something that's absolutely shocking to me as I was digging in to these, uh, to these facts. This is even true when it comes to prescriptions to help people with organ transplant rejection. So think for a moment, this is somebody who's waited on a list for a really long time for an organ donation that they can receive and they can literally to save their lives. And these statistics even hold true for people who would take medication that would help them with organ rejection. Isn't that incredible? There's one time when this, there's actually a, uh, one exception to all of this when it comes to prescriptions. And that is when the prescription is for your pet. That the statistics are much higher. And doesn't this say something? Isn't there just something wrong when we treat our animals better than we treat ourselves? I get it. Um, Will Smith, I am legend. The entire world is zombies. The entire world is monsters. I didn't bat an eye. Neither nobody was upset about it. As soon as Will Smith's dog dies, all of us cried, okay? Like all of us cried in that scene. It was rough. Okay, so I get it. Yeah, but uh, we will never be our best when we treat ourselves the worst. Here's the thing. We, we tend to um, sort of compartmentalize the spiritual and the physical, our spirit and our body, and thus, in church, we'll often preach so much more about our spirit than we do our body. But biblical writers throughout the Bible, first century um, Jewish people, they, there was no distinguishing between the body and the spirit. They believed they were so intertwined. Even our core scripture in Romans, it says, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. I love Mark 12, 30, which is known as the greatest commandment. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the original word there for strength is literally talking about physical strength, your physical capabilities, your physical body. I think one of the greatest um, examples of a physical battle we find, uh, and again, I told you we're going to be all over the place in the Bible tonight, but it can be found in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you want to flip there real quick, 1 Kings chapter 19, it's the story of a guy named Elijah. And we're going to be in verse number three, which is really, um, it's like the tail end of this sort of clash of titans in that day. Elisha the prophet and the uh, prophets of uh, um, a god called Baal. And they show up and they have this showdown and Elisha says, hey, whoever's God responds with fire, we're gonna build an altar and whoever's God responds and sends fire onto this altar is the God that's real and the God that will serve. And so uh, the prophets of Baal, they not only had home turf advantage, but they also got the ball first and they went first. And God, their God, their fake God, Baal, doesn't respond. But then Elisha prays and says, God, prove to everybody that you are the one true God. And God responds with fire, sends fire onto the altar that Elisha built. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of verses and then Elisha goes and he kills all the prophets of Baal. The job, JJ, the, uh, the job of a pastor in that day was much different than it is today. Um, you know, but 
but now basically we're at the next day and and uh the essentially the queen at the time is like i'm going to um i'm going to kill elisha and that takes us to where we're at in, in verse number three it says elijah was afraid and he fled for his life he went to beersheba in a town judah and uh he left his servants there He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. It almost seems like Elisha, a man of God who just had this incredible spiritual breakthrough victory, saw God respond miraculously. All of a sudden after this high, high, he has a very low, low and seemingly is is even almost suicidal. Listen to what what he prays. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then, verse 5, but then he laid down, he slept under the broom tree. And as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. So he slept and he ate. He looked around and beside uh, his head was some uh, bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. So anybody ever have that? You're asleep, you wake up to eat, to go right back to sleep. That's just quarantine life, baby, come on. Verse seven, the angel of the Lord came again uh, and touched him and said, get up and eat some more um, or the journey ahead of you will be too much. So he got up, ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength. What did he do? He slept and he ate. He slept and he ate. He replenished his physical body. And then you see that he goes on um, on the journey that God had called him to with enough strength. See, our spirits and our bodies are so intertwined. And here we see just that God, the first thing as, as um, Elisha is in this battle, at this point, almost seemingly for his life. And the first thing that God does is he gives him rest, sleep, and he feeds him. He meets his physical needs. Here's an incredible fact. The second leading cause of death among teenagers today is suicide. The first leading cause of death among Americans is heart disease. Heart disease really typically caused by poor diet and not taking care of ourselves physically. And I can't help but to think that those two are somehow intertwined and connected. I get the message, Colby Calais. Everybody is beautiful exactly how they are, but we do have to try. Why? Because you're too valuable to treat yourself like trash. You're too valuable to not care and to just say, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to work. No, take care of your body because you'll never be your best when you're treating yourself the worst. What if, let me just say this, what if we started doing this? What if we started getting eight hours of sleep a night. Some of you are getting double that in quarantine. (laughs) Some of you are getting a lot less of it because your schedule is all over the place. Uh, You're on Xbox until 4 a.m. Guilty. (laughs) Guilty as charged, (laughs) JJ. Uh, uh, But what if, what if you started uh, um, planning out and you said, I'm going to get eight hours of sleep. I'm going to drink eight cups of water. Uh, If you drink a cup of water, it's typically about uh, eight ounces, eight times eight is what? 
put it in the comments, 64, 64 ounces. You should drink about half of your body weight in ounces of water a day. So what if you got eight hours of sleep? You drank eight cups of water. And what if you worked out, exercised in some way, shape or form for let's say eight times a month. That's just two times a week. You, I can almost guarantee, wouldn't even recognize yourself and how you began to feel mentally, emotionally, dare I say even spiritually, as you take care of yourself physically. Because I truly believe they're all intertwined. And if any become, become out of balance, we start getting out of balance because they're all connected. Demons are attacking me and giving me headaches. No, they're not. You're just dehydrated. Number one cause of headaches, dehydration. Oh, I'm so apathetic. I have, I have no energy. It's a spirit of depression. No, you're just not sleeping. So you have no rest and you have no energy because you're not sleeping. Oh, I, I, you know, I'm just so sluggish and, and I, get, I can't seem to get passionate about anything. And, you know, the devil must be stealing my passion. No, you have a really poor diet. So you're not fueling your body with that which would give you energy. You need to take care of yourself physically because you'll never be your best when you're at your worst. I have this pin board um, in my office and on it is a bunch of different um, letters and, and notes and pieces of art, uh, one of which um, in particular, which is one, one of, if not my favorite, uh, is, is a piece of art, a drawing and coloring from my niece Adeline, from my niece Addie. And for me, it's, I love it. And it's been kind of at the front of this pin board for years, years. It's literally made it from one office to another. And um, I've taken care of it. And, and when we moved and everything like that. And to the world standards, it's worthless. But to me, it's priceless. What are you saying, Pastor Corey? I'm saying this. Um, you show how much you care for the creator by how you care for the creation. And you are God's creation. So caring for yourself shows you, shows others, shows the world how you truly care for your creator. Take care of yourself because your physical is connected to your spiritual and you'll never be your best when you're treating yourself the worst. Moving on, the second battle I want to tackle tonight is mental battles. Mental battles. You have to control the high ground. In any fight, you really need to, um, before you ever begin the actual fighting, you have to position yourself for the fight. And in any um, battle situation, the advantage goes to whoever has the high ground. Well, what is the literal high ground of you, of me? It is our mind. We're talking about mental battles and whoever controls the high ground has the advantage. See, Anakin learned this the hard way with uh, Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan told him, it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. He says, you underestimate my powers. And he tries to do the flip over him and he loses his legs, half of his arm, thus becoming Darth Vader. Okay. I know it's cinematically epic, but it's a lesson learned. Control the high ground. Even our core scripture talks a bit about this in Romans chapter 12. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, because you can't live right if you don't think right. 
And negative thoughts will never lead to a positive life. You'll lose the fight if you don't control the high ground. So let me ask you this question. Write this down if you're taking notes. How often do you think about what you think about? How often do you think about what you think about? How often do you think about what you take in? They say the eyes are the windows to the soul. Well, what is peering into your windows? What are you letting into your eyes? I read recently that the only thing that we as humans consume more than food and beverage is content. Content being television shows, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, um, YouTube, social media of any type. That's content. And the only thing that we take in more than food and beverage is content. What if we started and ended, remember 888, what if we started and ended every day with eight minutes of Jesus? Eight minutes in the word, eight minutes in worship music, eight minutes uh, praying. How different would our lives look? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number five, it says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we listen to the verbiage. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Take it, make it. That is aggressive language. That is aggressive talk. See, this is why you can't be a Christian and be a sissy. You can't be a Christian and be soft. To anybody in Idaho, I remember JJ and I, when we were in Idaho, we had used the term, oh, whoever, I think we were talking sports or something. We're like, oh, that guy, he's soft. And they're like, oh, what does that mean? We had to explain what it meant to be soft, you know? It's like, you're, you're sissy, you're weak, you're not strong. You can't be a Christian and be soft. Why? Because this is a, faith is not a playground. It's a battleground. It's a fight. You have a real enemy and you can't be a sissy about it. You, and the enemy, he's going to throw everything at you to try to demolish God's plans over your life. And often he's going to start right here in your own mind. So what do you got to do? You got to take and make. You got to take and make. You got to take every single thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. What does that look like? You take those thoughts that say you're ugly and you say, you are now captive and obedient to Christ's word, which says, I'm a masterpiece created, but created in Christ Jesus to do good things. There is no hope. You take that, captive, that, that, thought, that thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. Say, there's no hope, really? Because my Bible says that he knows the plans he has for me. There are plans to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. You take and you make. I love this. Pastor Gary talked um, extensively about the story of David and Goliath, one of the most uh, famous stories in, in our faith. He talked extensively about it um, Sunday morning in a, in a great message. Um, again, go back, listen to those messages. But one thing that, uh, that I notice in this story of David and Goliath, there's this moment where they're going to meet each other on the battlefield. And I just like picture epic music happening. Like, dun, 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 dun or like Lord of the Rings music. Ah, that's Star Wars again. Ah, like it's all Star Wars for this guy. Uh, but I, I picture this like epic music and they're going to meet each other in the battlefield, right? And I love what uh, 1 Samuel 17, 48 says. As the Philistine, that's Goliath, as Goliath moved closer to attack him, to attack David, listen to this. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Get the picture. 
12-year-old, short, little David, youngest of all of his siblings, probably, we think, probably 12 years old or so, is going to meet this battle-hardened veteran that was probably, some say, as tall as nine feet tall. And when David looked at him, he said, the battle's the Lord. And so he ran to him. He didn't wait. Too many Christians are sitting on the sidelines waiting to get in the fight. They're over, like, too many, I think of it like, like, uh, um, I see like almost, I didn't even write this in my notes, but this is kind of how I see it. Like a boxing match and one fighter is standing, hands up, boxing gloves in, and then like there's some Christians over still in their corner just sitting in their like stool, still drinking water. And who's gonna win? The boxer who's poised, standing, approaching the fight. We don't wait for the fight to come to us. We go to the fight, especially mental battles. We don't wait for there to be problems. We don't wait to have mental breakdowns. No, 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 we run too. When's the best, when's the best time to learn how to fly an airplane? Probably not when you're in one 40,000 feet off the ground. When's the best time to fight your mental battle? Not when you're having a mental breakdown. Fight now, run towards the battle like David did. Let me say it like this. Do something drastic to your sin or your sin will do something drastic to you. You have to fight in this battle. Take and make, take and make. One more thing I'll say about this is um, your focus determines your reality. So what do you focus on? In this mental battle, what do you focus on? Do you focus on what you have or what you don't have? Do you focus on all your struggles or all your breakthroughs? Do you focus on your failures, your losses, or your wins? What do you focus on? Because your focus will determine your reality. See, because this isn't mind games. This is a mental battle. To win the battle, you have to control the high ground. My last point, we talked physical battles, mental battles, Now let's talk about emotional battles. Emotional battles. Emotions are a great indicator, but a terrible dictator. It was John F. Kennedy Jr. who was in the cockpit of his Piper Saratoga II plane, um, and he was making his descent onto Martha's Vineyard. And um, that day, what had happened was on his descent, there was a sort of uh, a haze, a fog that settled on the horizon. So John F. Kennedy Jr., he felt as if he was flying level, making a steady and accurate descent. But the reality was, was that he was headed toward the Atlantic Ocean at 79 feet per second. Well, how did, how did he not realize? Because he wasn't yet what's called instrument rated. He wasn't able to read his instruments accurately. So as pilot, he was depending on his feelings and not his instruments. That day, JFK Jr., his wife, and his sister-in-law lost their lives all because of this failure. And the pilot, incredibly, never even issued an emergency call. See, planes have instruments. Uh, The greatest pilots know that you don't trust your personal judgment or your feelings about the situation. You trust your instruments, your gauges, your turn and slip. That's what you trust. Let me ask you this. Do you have instruments, gauges for your emotions? Because emotions are a great indicator, but they're a terrible dictator. They're almost like the check engine light 
on your car. Your feelings aren't irrelevant. They just can't rule your life. You got to keep your eye on them, but don't trust them. Here's our current culture. Here's some things to consider when it comes to emotional battles. Our current culture, in our current culture, did you know that we touch our phones 2,660 times a day? 2,660 times a day on average is how much people touch their phones. But did you know there's only 1,140 minutes in a day? We touch our phones more than there are minutes in the day. Wow, what does that have to do with emotional battles? Well, did you know that overindulgence to so, on social media, overindulgence on social media has been linked to depression? Uh, did you know that, that people um, have been found to become physically addicted to their phones? So much so, people have uh, reported um, experiencing what's called phantom vibration sensation. You know what it is. It's that moment where you swear you thought your phone vibrated in your phone, so in your pocket. So you pull out your phone and you check it, but there's nothing there. Eh, but now it's out. So let's go on social media. Let's go on Instagram for five minutes. Let's go look at TikTok for eight hours. You know, like that is our culture right now. And an overindulgence on social media has been linked to depression. Did you know that actually binge watching television shows has also been linked to depression? Here's our culture today. Um, according to USA Today, the average kid is exposed to pornography for the first time at six years old. There is really, um, right now we're living in this sort of pandemic uh, with coronavirus. There has been for years really this epidemic of pornography addictions in our country. Did you know that pornography, viewing pornography, even just casually has been linked to depression? Talk about being in an emotional battle when what is completely normal in our culture leads to depression, emotional battles, low lows. Did you know that 36% of the entire internet is pornographic? Did you know that one out of four of all Google searches are pornographic in nature? And this is what's normal to our culture. But what if the issue isn't what you're not doing? What if the issue is what you're already doing? What if the issue is that you are, in fact, binge-watching television shows way too much? What if it is that you are going and looking at things on the internet and on your phone that you shouldn't be? And you're over here thinking, well, the enemy's attacking me. Well, you're being tempted, yes, but maybe what has you in this emotional battle where you're feeling low lows, dare I say even depression, is because of what you're already doing and what you're allowing in to your soul. What if you were to install a sort of spiritual turn and slip gauge or instrument into your emotions? You know, something that would tell you it's time to switch things up. If you're on your phone 2,660 times a day, what if you began making some of those 2,666 reading the Bible? If you don't have the Bible app, download the Bible app. There are daily, me and a handful of my guys, we do a, a daily Devo together. Where if we're saying, if we're gonna touch our phones over 2,000 times a day, I'm gonna make some of that God. I'm gonna make that about pursuing Jesus. And we do a daily devotional together. We've been doing it almost all the way through quarantine. 
Well, what if, what if you, uh, on your phone, what if you go and watch the Bridge Youth podcast? Rewatch this message. Go watch Pastor Gary's messages on Sundays or Sunday morning. Go watch the devos that we've been putting out every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. What if you went and you, you started doing audiobooks? I can't read. Fine. You don't even have to read anymore. We live in a day and an age where someone will read the book to you. I don't think it's the same for the record. My wife says, I've read all these books. Uh, somebody read the books to you. I don't, but you know what? Like, we'll take what we can get. And what if this turn and slip, this, this, uh, what if this, this, uh, this gauge got you, to, got you to get on the Bible app, got you to, to watch the Bridge Youth podcast, got you to, thank you, Nacho Libre, read some books. What if you allowed that to happen? And, and, and let me say this really quick. I say there's 1,440 minutes in a day. Don't let your emotions convince you that 1,435 of those minutes are ruined because of five bad minutes. You got into a bad mood, you can get into a good mood just as easy. Don't let your emotions trick you that, oh, now this is a bad day. Emotions, they're a great indicator, but they are a terrible dictator. As I close tonight, um, as we're tackling this concept, this thought, that you're in a war, whether you realize it or not. You're in a battle, whether you realize it or not. Here's the thing, faith, it's not a playground. Faith is really a battleground. And as I'm closing tonight, um, my mind really goes to a handful of people here in our community who've been through battles, physical, emotional, mental, relational, spiritual. They've been in the thick of it. I think of one of my, I would consider one of my best friends, Noah Southall, who just a couple years ago his grandfather, who was really like a father to him, passed away fairly suddenly. And, and Noah did this though. Noah was at his grandfather's funeral on a Monday. And that same day, he went to summer camp because he said, I know God still wants to meet me. I think of Iris, young lady who lost her, her mother at such a young age, way too young. And that same week, Iris was in church, not just sitting in a seat. She was on a platform leading worship, declaring how faithful God still is. I think of um, some recent battles. A sister of ours, Sydney, who recently lost her father. And Sydney's watching right now. Saying, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep fighting move forward. I think of the young family who lost their father not, to, not but two weeks ago. It's amazing to see just about every single one of them posting faith-filled posts on their social medias. I think of so many who we know of who we're connected to that I won't name, but who are struggling with depression, even suicidal thoughts, but have said, I will not give in 
I will not, I will not uh, succumb to this, this, these emotions and this struggle. I will not become a victim. I will remain a victor. I think of so many whose families are out of work and they don't know how they're going to pay the bills. But they're pushing forward, declaring still that God is faithful. What's the point, Mr. Coy's? All these people come to mind and you know what I think? We, as the counterculture, we are warriors. And we are not the type that retreat or give up. We are the Davids, the King Davids, who run towards the battle saying, it doesn't matter because the battle is the Lord's. And if it's the Lord's, he's already victorious. So I don't have to fight for victory. I'm fighting from victory. So enemy, throw at me whatever you want, but I'm not going to be like the rest of the world and turn to drugs and partying and sleeping around and, and self-medicating and giving up and falling deeper into depression. And I'm not going to give into all that like the rest of the world might too. I'm going to stand tall. I'm going to stand firm on my foundation. That is Jesus Christ, because I know one day everything will be set right. One day, my Messiah, my Savior, my Jesus will return for me and set everything right. And I have hope in my heart, even when I might feel defeated. God is good and he's faithful. And it's amazing to see in this community how many people have that warrior spirit, that counterculture spirit that says, I'll never stop fighting. Because so you can be a victim or you can be a victor, but you can't be both. Don't embrace defeat, but don't push away the fight. Engage in battle. What's the best way? The best way to start this battle is to recognize the battle is the Lord's. And you set yourself up as we talked really about positioning yourself in a fight, in the battle. The best way to position yourself in any fight, no matter what it is, is to position yourself in relationship with the God who created you, with your Savior, with your Messiah, with Jesus, who loved you so much that 2,000 years ago he came and he died on a cross for your sins, for my sins. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. The thought of eternity without you was so unbearable that God took matters into his own hands. I love the way C.S. Lewis says it. He says, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. So all we have to do is let ourselves out by letting Jesus in. Because then even when we feel defeated, we can have hope because we will be in relationship with our victorious Savior Jesus. Right there, wherever you're at, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? This is the moment where you're going to have the opportunity to step into relationship with this Jesus. You're going to have the opportunity to begin a relationship with God. And maybe you are in a season where you feel so defeated. You feel attacked. You feel like, like the enemy in the world is closing in on all sides. This is the moment where you cry out to your Savior. And the Bible's clear. He comes running. He comes running, arms open wide. 
you thought, I, I have to get everything together before I come to God. I have to get my act right. I got to get my life straight. I've got to figure things out. Because, so that way God might take me. No, the Bible says, come as you are. Come as you are. And this is the moment right here, right now. The Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And he rose from the dead and you'll be saved. So that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. And, and I might be praying it, but this is your prayer. I'm giving you this prayer. You just wrap your heart around these words. Declare that Jesus is Lord of your life. And the Bible is clear that you will be saved. Let's pray. God, we need you. We're not strong enough to fight this battle or this war alone. Would you come and help us? We know, we admit, we confess we're sinners. We've messed up. We've missed the mark. We know we're sinners, but we know you, you are our Savior. Jesus, we declare tonight that you died for our sins, but you rose from the dead in victory for us. So tonight we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we give you the battles and the war that we're in, and we just say that we're gonna follow you from this day forward. No turning back and no looking back. All that we are and all that we have is yours, Jesus. We just want a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And that is the best decision you can ever make with your life. I promise you that. But it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. And so we want to kick off um, a, a one week, a seven day long journey called the next seven days. We've created seven videos that'll really just help you in the first uh, week of your faith journey. If we're on our phones 2,660 times a day, hey, why not make one of those times watching a video that's gonna help propel you forward in your faith journey and really help you fight this battle that you're in, whether you realize it or not. You can get these videos in a really simple way. Just go to our Instagram, at bridgeYTH underscore, and DM us the words next seven. You don't even gotta spell out the word seven. Put the number seven next seven and we'll get you these videos. I promise you they will bless you. They will help you. We feel like it's our obligation, our obligation to get you these and help you in your faith journey in this next week. Hey, I'm so excited for um, session two of this message next week. Tune in. It's been an absolutely great night. Our service hosts are coming right now to close us out. Love you, Bridge Youth. Yo, give it up for Corey in the chat for that amazing message. Victory yeah. versus defeat. We live in victory. Hallelujah to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Amen, amen. That was an amazing message. And we just want to remind you guys as we're concluding to stay connected on social media. Uh, we're going to be concluding the message that we have for tonight, but we're doing something every day on social media. Yes, and we just want you guys to stay engaged. We want to be able to interact with you guys uh, while you're at quarantine and while we're at home. So yeah, stay connected at bridgeYTH underscore. Yup, and do not forget right now, I want you to close off this YouTube app and I want you to go straight to house party and get uh, lit uh, and have fun and talk to your leaders about this message. Let's engage. The night is not over. God is still moving. God is still working. Let's have meaningful conversations and grow in our faith so much more in every single day for the rest of the week. Thank you guys so yeah, much. Yeah. Signing out. See you guys Bridget. next week.